0: Happy Friday. I'm Brian Colbert Kennedy, and this is Important Not Important Science for People Who Give a Shit. The newsletter features the most important science news, how to think about it, and what the hell you can do about it. Hit subscribe right now so you get this audio newsletter every Friday, plus our conversations with the smartest people in the world on Mondays. You can find the digital version and links to everything at newsletter.importantnotimportant.com or right from your show notes. It's Friday, March 18th, 2022. Welcome back, shit-givers, and a happy March Madness to all who celebrate. Huge thanks to everyone who voted for their preferred incentives for referring friends to the newsletter. We've left the survey open until Sunday, and we'd love your feedback. It takes just 30 seconds to answer, it helps us grow, and we're giving away five $50 bookshop gift cards to a random assortment of folks who complete it. Take 30 and do it now. Thank you so much. This week summarized, ESG's crumbling, COVID on the rise, funding vanishes, California's breadbasket at risk, Gene Therapy Pricing, and Your Biometric Data for Sale, Part 73. Reminder, you can read this issue on the website, or you can listen to it, like you're doing right now. In climate change news, ESG could be a hell of a bubble. ESG, which is environmental, social, and governance investing, in reality and reputation continues to crumble. Institutional and retail investors worldwide have spent the past few years growing the ESG sector, desperate for a way to measurably clean portfolios of the stuff society has correctly decided is bad news. Theoretically, that means some designated or at least informally agreed upon ratings provider spits out a rating on a scale from real bad to pretty good actually of how well your business or a business you're considering investing in incorporates ESG practices. As we've discussed before, that's genuinely not at all how it goes or what ESG even means in practice. There's a boatload of agencies. They collectively employ a huge variety of metrics that are at best shrouded in secrecy and at worst, almost unverifiable. It's greenwash, watching at its finest, a subject that we covered last week, and is simply begging for some serious litigation. If this sounds like the current carbon offsets market to you, you would not be wrong. This is all profoundly unhelpful as we seek to transition to a cleaner future. Where then can investors put their money to most legitimately aid the transition? A transition that is now underway but mostly out of control, where clean tech is growing quickly but nowhere near fast enough to accommodate our growing needs and to mitigate real-world impacts? Great question. Plenty of places, starting with real shit, in-house and through corporate VC. Decarbonizing means not only moving away from one source of power and their funders, but building a plethora of new ones. And it's turtles all the way down from power production and reinsurance, all the way down to precious metals and scope three accountability. We're regulating for cleaner trucks, so now we need to build some. Measuring emissions and thus reductions requires new software. We need a plaid for utilities. There are so many places to help build, and there's never been a better time to get involved. Your action step. Brian Kahn, now heading up Protocol's climate arm, wrote a great primer on how to build a sincere and measurable climate plan at your company. Read it. Do it. Links are in the newsletter. In COVID news, planning for BA2. Quick vaccine equity update. Just 13% of people in low-income countries have received at least one dose, and 36.7% of people worldwide have received no doses. Well, COVID is back. The BA.2 variant of Omicron, 30% more transmissible than BA.1, but probably no more dangerous if you're vaccinated, and which has actually been hanging around for a while now, is causing an uptick in cases in some countries like those in Europe, and mass suffering in others like China. Why the difference? In wealthier countries, huge majorities of people with sequences of mRNA shots and or exposure to the OG Omicron have antibodies, T cells, and B cells ready to go. In countries without shots or that have used homegrown shots that aren't as effective or that have avoided Delta and BA1 by whatever mechanism, the outcome is much more grim. This was inevitable and unnecessary. When your N is everyone in the galaxy, as far as we know, viruses are going to keep doing what viruses do until everyone's protected one way or another. Meanwhile, there's an entirely new world we need to plan for. We will someday make this virus endemic, but to be very, very clear, We're not at the end of this. We're probably in the middle. There's no going back to normal because there's probably 20 million more excess dead than usual because millions more have a version of long COVID, more were forced back into poverty, and so many whose mental health is in tatters. That's the world we have to build around as we build support structures to make us less exposed to whatever comes our way next. Politics aside, a blue whale sized caveat. It is endlessly perplexing to me that we have chosen to prioritize the economy, but ignore that all of the above contribute to an economy and society that is fundamentally somehow even weaker than it was before, and in a moment when we can redefine economic success. I was buoyed this week then to see Dr. Ashish K. Jha, Dean of the Brown University School of Public Health, an outspoken advocate for something called public health, and an actual practicing internist selected to replace Jeff Science. Jeff was the hand-picked management guru who got the United States 75% vaccinated, but who had seemingly run out of steam as we enter this next vastly more complicated phase. The White House may be almost entirely out of funding to fight to quell this pandemic, which trigger alert is fucking nuts, but Dr. Ja could be an excellent leader. At home and globally, we're moving forward with what we've got. We're studying long COVID, India has begun vaccinating millions more kids, airline mask mandates will continue for another month, or dropping universal school lunches, and trying to fight through misinformation to distribute a variety of vaccines in Africa. Your action step. We asked Gail E. Smith, the outgoing coordinator for global COVID response and health security at the U.S. Department of State, how could we do a better job of vaccinating the world? Subscribe to the pod in your player of choice to get her answers on Monday. In food and water news, where the water isn't wet. As the Western mega drought and desertification deepen, whose job is it to salvage California as we know it? Can we? Should we? Is it down to the farmers who operate one of the world's largest bread baskets on increasingly little water? Is it the residents who live as if the California dream is still real? Is it the state government who can regulate tailpipe emissions again? Or the federal government who actually oversees most of the state's forests? Is it the water managers protecting the hydroelectric dams? The utilities who need to bury so many power lines? As usual, the most impactful answer is all of the above. The LA Times' Sammy Roth interviewed Alice Reynolds, the incoming president of California's ultra-powerful California Public Utilities Commission, and when asked about building out clean energy and storage, her response was equally pragmatic and optimistic. Quote, What we're doing is so important to the state and so important to the planet. We didn't anticipate the pandemic. I don't think we anticipated the wildfire season being so catastrophic. It's hard to know what's going to hit us next. But based on the ability of the developers, the state agencies, the governor's office, the utilities, and the local governments all working together, and the contracts that have already been entered into, I have a lot of confidence that we can do this. End quote. California is an increasingly stark example of a future we are so far unwilling to reckon with. A confidence we can do this is admirable and a necessary first step. Your action step. Read The Dreamt Land by California native and son of farmer Mark Arax to better understand the Golden State's Byzantine water history, and where we go from here. In health and bio news, will gene therapies be affordable? A hundred years ago, penicillin sat on Alexander Fleming's shelf until Howard Florey and squad figured out how to make it shelf stable. Today, gene therapies altering the goddamn genes inside your body's cells to try and treat or even stop disease are working. This is stupendous news, but will treatments like these be available to everyone in a country where almost 10% of people are uninsured and almost half of those with sickle cell are on Medicaid? Sure, these are relatively rare diseases, so any real treatment hope is a huge win. But new treatments for rare diseases usually bring enormous price tags, which means Medicaid may not cover them. And because of who sickle cell mostly affects, well, now we're in danger of even greater health disparities. Your action step. Not unlike long COVID, it's important that we take a long view. The cost of gene therapy may be high, but what are the economic benefits from 100,000 people not being sick anymore? Where else does this functionally apply around you? In beep boop news, your face continued. We've written quite a bit in recent months about the proliferation of facial recognition systems, data privacy, and surveillance. With news that Ukraine's defense ministry has begun using Clearview AI for border checks, we wanted to revisit briefly why it's such an essential conversation. Biometric data and struggles for data privacy are here to stay, and it's an increasingly complicated marriage. On the one hand, you've got companies like Apple who use your face every day, Google and Android still mostly use your fingerprint, and billions of us mostly trust both companies to do so because the security trade-offs are theoretically worth it. Their entire business models and marketing are based on data security. On the other hand, the software, data, and algorithms that underpin many of these systems are opaque at best, often misunderstood and misapplied by humans who are inherently flawed. The applications are frequently misused by private companies who work directly with local, state, and national governments, and their results are even more frequently wrong, and in ways that further inequities. So sure, we stopped the IRS from requiring you to use your ID.me for now, but 27 states already do, and this is the key. With cyber hacking exploding, institutions need to protect your data somehow. Humans are terrible at making and remembering difficult passwords, so something's got to give. Your action step? Protect what you've got and remember your data is my data. I've been a fan and user of 1Password for a long time. Get started making and storing difficult-to-crack passwords and bank accounts and more by clicking the link in the newsletter. 10 things from the notebook. How we're treating neurological disease in mice so far. 35 generic drug makers signed on to make Pfizer's COVID pill. The math on why EVs are out of reach for most Americans. Kenya's begun sliding underwater. Jane Fonda's got a new pack. Holy hell, the American transportation system is so inefficient. Microsoft's admirable climate fight is hitting a wall. ECB, way more banks are going to have to disclose their climate exposure. Is Google Health kind of quietly back? So cool. The research university is teaming up to build a psychedelics psychiatrist training program. All right, that's the news for this week. Hit subscribe right now so you get next week's analysis straight to your feed. To go deeper on any of the news or to find your action steps, just go to newsletter.importantnotimportant.com. Thanks for being a part of our community and thanks for giving a shit. Have a great weekend.